Hello, everyone. This is Susie and Eater, and welcome to my podcast, The Alchemy of Self-Love. I'm here today with Michael, and Michael found me through my TEDx talk, which is called The Dark Side of Self-Improvement, and um, reached out to me for a conversation. Because of his life experience, he really resonated with at least one part of my message, which was about learning how to love ourselves forward rather than push ourselves forward. So today we're going to have a conversation about that, about the, um, the kind of life experiences we create from a place of push versus a place of allow. So Michael, welcome. Great. Thank you. It's great to be here and to be discussing this with you. Yeah, I'm excited too. So before we started the recording, uh, Michael and I were just connecting and he was sharing a bit of his life experience with me. And so I'll ask you again, Michael, to to give that to recap that for us because I think the listeners will really benefit from hearing the prog- your progression from one way of being in the world. You mentioned being a D plus student to a completely highly accomplished man in the world uh, through the force of focus and will and how that has shifted to even a new place now. So would you give us a recap? Sure, sure. Yeah. It's interesting. Your TEDx talk did it really took me by surprise and grabbed my attention because it addressed something that I was in the midst of changing, which was very new to me at the time that I saw it. And it was a, I was in a profound moment, and I'm still in that moment, although emerging from it quite a bit, um, I'm still in it. And so I was captivated by it, and that's why I contacted you to see if I could contribute my story. What it is you're doing is fantastic. Um, so just to recap then what you and I discussed, my life is, so I'm 50 years old now. Um, so obviously I've been around for several decades, almost the entirety of that time period from about 19 years old till 47 um, was about striving, pushing, and creating through the sheer force of will what, is, what it is and what it was that I wanted to come about. So when I graduated high school, for example, at the age of 18, I barely graduated. I only graduated because I went to summer school at the end of my senior year. And when I graduated, I had a 1.69 grade point average, which is a D plus, if I'm not mistaken. So I finished off high school with a D plus grade point average, and then quickly looked around and realized that my future wasn't going to be what I wanted it to be. And there was a lot of change that I had to make, which was a completely appropriate realization. Well, that realization led to a series of efforts, which I never let go of, which, which was to identify whatever potential it was that I had and try not to meet that potential, but to exceed that potential. And so I lived a life that just focused on identifying an objective. The objective was best in class because why not try for best that you can do, or best that exists, and pursue that single-mindedly through the sheer force of willpower, cutting aside everything else in your life that got in the way of that goal. So that was an extremely effective approach. I went from where I was academically to ultimately getting into and finishing college at an Ivy League university. I went from that uh, finish to entering the professional world where I excelled as a management consultant and then ultimately decided that I wanted to really push myself 
and I pursued a career as a military officer in special operations. This was in the mid-90s, pre-9-11, when the mil military was becoming scaled down. They weren't taking anyone in special operations because there were no special operations that were being fought. Identifying this as a pursuit when I wasn't particularly athletically inclined, when I hadn't really demonstrated any exceptional leadership capabilities, and then actually going after it was extremely ambitious. The community that I was going into the first year I tried to get in, they weren't even accepting anyone. The second year I tried to get in, they were accepting one officer out of the entire nation. So I had the audacity to think that that one officer could be me. Ultimately, I did get in to that community. I was accepted, again, through sheer-minded willpower and complete, utter, dedicated focus, which is a separate story in and of itself. Um, from there, I went on to doing some world-class climbs as, a, as someone that was completely overreaching and coming from a place where I was extraordinarily afraid of heights, so much so that the first person I ever went rock climbing with advised me to give up rock climbing because I would never be good at it. So I stuck with it for 10 years, completely dedicated my life to it uh, from time to time, in addition to my other professional pursuits, and ultimately, 10 years later, climbed El Capitan a total of three times. So, you know, mine is a story of afraid of heights, stuck with my endeavors, climbed El Cap 10 years later. No real distinguished credentials to point to, no real athletic credentials to point to or capabilities to point to became selected for an officer in special operations, D plus grade point average, finished college at an Ivy League school. The approach that I used for all of these were the same, and that was single-minded dedication, forcing my will against the odds to overcome situations that were greater than I was. Later in life, in my mid-30s, I decided that I wanted to be a currency trader, and that specifically I wanted to live in the French Alps. I pursued that for five years, moved to the French Alps with the same sort of approach that I had used. And that was ultimately in my early 40s then that for the first time in my life, this approach began to fail me. And over the course of the time that it failed me, which it took a couple of years for that to unfold, I was also beginning to realize that this approach of mine was inadequate. I was beginning to realize that life was bigger than the single-minded objectives that I had pursued and it was more complicated and more nuanced, and that this approach, it was great for what it was great for. It was great in the past. It would be great in the future for very specific circumstances, but it was not working here. Failing, I was continuing to fail, and I didn't know what to do. I was, and I was beside myself. Internally, I was coming apart. I was feeling at a loss. I had never failed before in my life. And the only thing I could do is look in the mirror and say, you've never failed before. You've achieved things you should have never achieved. You're going to achieve this. And I didn't. And I failed. And it was the first failure I had. And ultimately, I pursued some other things. I kept at currency trading. Ultimately, it worked. Ultimately, I decided it wasn't for me and gave up on it. And with the other things I was pursuing, but I still wanted to live in France. That was in the French Alps specifically. That was my dream. That was my objective. As I failed, and as I had come to terms with my failure, again, this played out over a couple of years, the entirety of my life failed. My fiance abandoned me. 
friends were sort of like, you're too crazy, you're too intense. I was having a tremendous amount of difficulty coping with everything outside of my life because my internal state was in a state of disrepair resulting from this failure. As I was hitting this internal low point, which I'd never experienced before, with all this loss, I began to open my mind to a different approach, and that was an approach that was deriving its, uh, its approach to life, not approach to professional pursuit, but approach to life as a whole, within which obviously professional pursuit is a part that was based in spirituality. And that can be best summarized as realizing that everything in my life that I had pursued, I had pursued from a position of fear, a fear of failure driving me to succeed as approached to a position of love. I love this, so I'm going to pursue it. Yes. As well as I began to become open to the notion that I had always adopted this point of view that once things fall into place, I will have peace. Whereas perhaps it was instead that someone once told me, no, once you have peace, then things will fall into place. And spirituality, these notions that I was now opening my mind to that were predominantly Buddhist, these notions, just deciding that I was going to pursue transcendental meditation, these were all notions that I would have laughed at other people for in the past. I would have said meditation is for someone who's not doing something. You are trying to meditate in your life because you feel discombobulated. Why don't you go out and achieve something? You'll feel good about yourself. So making this transition in mentality was not natural for me. As I began to do it and as I began to do transcendental meditation specifically, one door led to a room that led to another door that led to another room. And suddenly I found myself on this path where I was becoming enlightened to the notion that, oh, the other approach or set of approaches that I began to intuitively feel existed that I didn't have a grasp on and their absence in my life was, was the real reason that I was experiencing this failure. This was the world that I wasn't tapped into. And I began to feel at ease and I began to feel that I was on the right path and that I should quote, trust the journey. As I began to trust the journey, it was very difficult because I had no reason to trust it because I was in a state of total and utter failure. So it was a difficult position to be in, to trust a journey from a position of failure to a position where I wasn't, I wasn't forcing things to happen. I was allowing things to happen. At that point in time, I said, I'm not going to push up and out like I have for the past three decades. I'm going to listen and, and instead of climbing a mountain that's in front of you and going up, I'm going to go caving and go down to the earth and see what that internal landscape looks like. I spent a year doing that and just focusing on nutrition and just focusing on my internal landscape and work and just really putting space between any impulses that I had that were externally generated and the reactions that I naturally had to them that were internally generated and allowing to see what unfolded naturally. It was very awkward for me, very unnatural, and it produced in me a state of balance 
and happiness with the most simple things that I have never had before and I would never have anticipated. I mean, if my earlier version of myself heard myself speaking right now, I would probably slap that person <laughs> for saying these things. And that is a reflection of the immaturity and lack of development that I had then and just lack of awareness that I had then compared to what I have now, which only comes now as a result of going through what I went through then. So that is the sort of long-winded, I apologize, synopsis of what I've been through over the past three decades and where I'm at now and um, how all of that has sort of come to be. Well, I thank you for sharing that. It's, it's really, it's, a, it's, a, it's an engaging uh, story to hear. I, it, you've done a really great job in characterizing how things felt and were to you at one point and how they have shifted and why. So I thank you for that. And there's so much about your experience that we could explore um, for the benefit of our listeners. I wanna, I wanna start with, because this was the premise of my TED talk, that so often we, our, our desires for self-improvement, right? You desire to, to live a better life you knew that you wouldn't get where you wanted to go as a D plus student, or that was the thought process. So often our desires for self-improvement arise from actually a fundamental flawed belief there's something wrong with us that we have to fix. And so we're starting from a place of, of lack, of a belief in something not right about us, something not, um, that just, need, again, needs to be fixed. And the idea of that, that there's something wrong with us is so painful what happens is we fire up our willpower to prove that wrong. We got to prove that we're okay. And so the, you know, that drive comes from, uh, as you said before, be, what's underneath of the drive was actually fear, fear of failure, right? And the fear of failure comes from that deep mis misunderstanding of who we really are. We really can't fail at being human. <laughs> we, we, there, there is no such thing really as failure in the larger picture. There's no such thing as being there's that there's something wrong with us. But when we believe that there is, and we're we're afraid, then that's when fear can creep in. We're afraid that we could fail at life. Then this this drive to prove ourselves takes center stage. Or it's for someone else, it could it could they could just cave into depression. Like there's no one way that people respond to this false premise, as I call it. But in you, you, you really got you know what's great about what you did was you got really clear. That, that you could create a different experience for yourself, and you of course did. And what happens though, when you're starting from a place of having to prove, having to prove, and your only satisfaction comes from achievement, then what, we miss the journey. We, we, we miss the pleasure and the joy of, ex, of letting who we are come out, the self-expression self as opposed to self-proving. It's, it's a whole different orientation. And that's what you ultimately discovered that you were, that there was something missing, right? That there was a whole experience of life that you hadn't yet had, that it was all about drive, ambition, accomplishment, drive, ambition, accomplishment, drive, ambition, accomplishment. And you recognized when that's, when that stopped working for you, that there were other elements to life that were um, deeply satisfying that you wanted now to avail yourself of. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I would say it like this. I came to, to, to realize this, that 
goals are great. Achievement is outstanding, and I encourage everyone to pursue it. But if you're if if you're single minded about it, and it comes from a place you're coming from fear, then what ends up happening is you're motivated by fear. You seek to achieve as a result of addressing fear. The achievement you gain, you may be, be proud of, but that 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 moment will be fleeting because it came from fear. And then and because that fear is still there, it will you'll seek to achieve again. You'll seek to achieve again That's and right. you'll seek to achieve again. And I don't care how many achievements you get, you're gonna need the next one. And That's ultimately right. when that next one doesn't come, you're going to feel like a failure, the same as you would have felt if your first one didn't come as well. It's the same thing over and over and over again. It's a, a self-defeating cycle and it comes that, that's what I mean. You can't, you can't get there from there. You can't start from fear and get to fulfillment. You've got to find a way to see yourself differently. That's fundamentally what you ended up doing. You went inside and saw, saw yourself differently. The other thing that I wanted to emphasize, I'll come back to that, but the other thing I wanted to really clarify is I think we have allowed goals to, be, to replace our authentic desires. Goals should be in service of our desires, not a replacement for them. And they become a replacement for them when we are in fear. That's brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's such a, it is, it's one of those things that you get, oh my gosh, like here's an example in my life. I'm working on my book. So I have, I have goals set, right? I'm going to finish the book proposal by this point. I have deadlines. I have all that. But the desire itself is one of self-expression. And that's the nature of desire. This is the thing that's so easy to, uh, to kind of trample on when we're in that fear-motivated fear place of achievement is that the impulse, the very, the very impulse of the universe is to create, is to express, is to expand. So the impulse, that impulse for self-expression, that's desire. That's pure desire to express. And we can't not have that because we are of the universe. We are of source or infinite intelligence or whatever you might, whatever term might resonate with you. We are not separate from that. In fact, that's our false belief in separation that gives rise to fear. But when you start to get, oh my gosh, I, I am an extension of this, of this intelligence that created the universe and everything in it. My natural desires to express, to share, to experience, to create, those are the desires of of, of creation itself, they're inherently powerful. They're inherently powerful. It's, a, it's the same desire that presses that blade of grass up through a cement sidewalk. Like it's just the power is, is innate and we don't, ha we don't have to make things happen. We, we do serve ourselves by lining up with it and riding the wave that lets it happen. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and again, once we line, as we line up, as we become aware, oh, I would love you know, let's, let's say with your rock climbing, mountain climbing, like you had this natural, like, wow, I would love to have the experience of, you know, of being one, one with nature and to be so in tune with nature that I, you know, that I developed skills I never knew I had. You might just be so thrilled about the idea of the experience of it, not the achievement, but the experience of it, that um, once you allow that energy to surface, well, then it's natural to say, oh, then I'm going to take a class, then I'm going to try, then we set goals. Then we set goals that help us stay aligned with our desire. But when we start with the goal, 
as opposed to allowing the desire to emerge, we've made the goal the replacement for the desire. And that's, that's not life giving because life happens from the inside out, not from the outside in. Yeah, that's a brilliant, brilliant and subtle distinction that you're making. That is, um, I've never heard that before. And I think it's absolutely on point. Absolutely. Yeah. On point. Would, would you say that where you are now in, in having given yourself the time to pause and go deeply within, are you now allowing your own natural impulses and desires to lead you? More. Yes. And, and I'll give you, I'll give you a direct example from something I'm dealing with, you know, this week alone, which is I'm back in France and I'm living in a ski area in France. I'm living in one of the predominant ski areas of the world and I'm contemplating what skiing I want to do and why. And there's all sorts of different ski skiing you can do. You can do on piste, which is traditional skiing. You can do off piste. You can do ski touring. You can do high mountain skiing. And I'm debating, one of the things I'm wrestling with is, is what are my objectives exactly? Do I want to go skiing with my dog in an isolated area? Or do I want to ski some big mountains that sound cool and will be a cool experience, but I can't take my dog there. It'll be more complicated. I'm not good enough. I'm going to have to get ski lessons and brush up on my technique. What exactly is is it that I want to do or do I not want to ski that much or want to ski with my friends on the peak? So old me would have been identifying. I want to do high mountain skiing. We're going to be roping up. We're going to be out there crossing crevasses with avalanche gear and stuff like that. And that's cool because when you're up there, oftentimes it's absolutely beautiful and it's remote and it's pristine and the terrain is very dramatic. And that's why I want to do it because it's just beautiful. But there's another piece of me that, that the earlier version of me would have wanted to do because it's extreme. Exactly. And now it's, it's well, maybe I just want to go skiing with my dog. Maybe that's really what I want to do. So it's, it's, this is, I bought skis today, as a matter of fact, and I had to have this conversation with myself today in the ski shop as I was picking out skis for certain terrain. So it's, I can relate to that completely right now. That's and that's a great example of. I, I love how you shifted your um, the language. You, first, you said, "What is my objective?" But then later, you said, "What do I want?" And that's that's the that's what I encourage people to do as they're shifting from this achievement goal oriented way of driving themselves through life to this to, to this more organic honoring of desire to express ourselves in life is to start with. What do I want? And y'all, y'all can't see me because we're on a, an audio podcast, but I often will touch into my heart because it is, it is the heart wisdom that knows. In other words, the mind is an idea generating machine, right? We, we can think of all kinds of options and ideas and pros and cons and this and that. And ideas alone are, fa- are I mean, they're wonderful. And fulfillment is a feeling state, not a mind state purely. So what we want to do is feel into what, you know, as given who and where I am now, what would I most long to experience, want, want, you know, go into the wanting place, not what should I, or what would be the most extreme or the most challenging, but in this moment, uh, at this point in my life, what would I most long or most want or most enjoy experiencing right here, right now? And let, let the wanting be the place that is the leader, not the, uh, the pros and the cons. It's, it's, it's really a game changer. 
And by the way, I'm going to offer uh, for for you, Michael, and for our listeners. There's a real, there's a great um, organization in Boulder. I think they're in Boulder. I know they're in Colorado. It's the Institute of Heart Math, and they've done a lot of research into electromagnetic fields generated by our hearts and by our brains. And they've they've recognized first that there is actually a a little mini brain in our heart. And I'm talking now even about our physical heart. There's a mini brain in our physical heart. It sends messages up to the the brain in our heads, and um, and just like every spiritual tradition has ever told us, the brain and the heart has the wisdom. The brain and the head is a very sophisticated translator of information, but the heart wisdom is what really creates that sense of deep uh, alignment with who we are and with what we came here to do. So a very simple, they've developed this very simple meditation to help when you're in a place of making a decision particularly, but it helps for any number of reasons. Uh, to this meditation intentionally connects the brain with the heart at the physical level it, it creates heart brain coherence and at the more subtle levels um, it, it just qu- helps us quiet the idea generating mind drop into a deeper place of inner knowing and from there we get our our best uh, our best inner guidance it's really a, it's a way of getting your own inner guidance and the I'll describe it briefly you can go into their website to learn more it's a very simple meditation, three steps. Step one is you slow down your breathing, no surprise. Nice, deep, slow breaths in and out. About six seconds on the inhale, six seconds on the exhale. So you just get your breathing, you know, to kind of slow it down to a really relaxed rhythm. Step two is to place one or both hands on your heart. And that's, uh, that's because where our, our, you know, the physical touch will will invite our attention, our awareness to be focused in the heart, on the heart. So you keep the breathing slow and deep, hands, one or two hands resting on the heart. Then you just intentionally call up or evoke a heart-centered feeling, something like compassion or kindness or peace. So you're just imagining it, you're doing your best to feel it in the moment. You're just evoking a feeling state, a heart-centered feeling, and just stay with that. And that that simple kind of a meditation is very intentionally connecting us with our heart's wisdom. And so you can even go into it, you know, have a question in your mind. I would love to, what I want to know now is what form of skiing is most, will be most fulfilling for me. Set the question aside, go into the meditation and see what comes up. That's fascinating. It is. They've done a lot of really fascinating research. They, they truly have. Now, I'm not a scientist. My training comes from uh, the study of more subtle energy fields from the Barbara Brennan School of Healing. But um, anyway, at any rate, I think the whole, what we're saying here is how much richer and fuller and more balanced life becomes when we open ourselves to the wisdom of our hearts, where, where our, our longings are, and um, allow them to be our form of guidance. Like what I most long to experience, to create, to express, is why I'm here. That's what the world will benefit most from receiving from me, uh, rather than what I should do to prove that I'm good. It's just a whole different orientation. Yeah, yeah, and it results in a whole different pathway, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Wow, Michael, we could probably take this conversation. We could have three hours worth of conversation with all the things that that we've just touched on here. But um, in this in this first season of my my podcast, I'm 
my intention is to keep them about 20 minutes or thereabouts. So we're sort of coming up on that time. Any thoughts or questions that you wanted to offer before we close? No, I mean, I think the the notion that you threw out of letting your goals serve your desires because your desires are naturally going to be creative, which yes. that yeah, immediately caught my attention because we are all creative. And the question is, yeah, we can't not be. What is it that we're here to create? What is that our, our, we are naturally inclined to create? What are we directed towards? It's also a calling. If we tune into what our calling is, the, the, what it is that we want to create will be the answer to what our calling is. Those things are synergistic Absolutely. and they go hand in hand. And having your goals serve that, I thought was absolutely brilliant. And that's something I'm going to think about. I mean, let me just ask you, maybe your listeners will benefit hopefully from this as well, this question. Hearing what I've said and understanding where I'm at, aside from that piece of wisdom or guidance, what else, what other advice would you give me in this circumstance? I think I, you know, where I'm landing right now is where just the, 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 the great example you brought, I would encourage you to stay really close to yourself and how you feel moment to moment. Because as we honor our, our seemingly smaller preferences and our smaller wants, we, we reinforce uh, within our consciousness that, that we matter, that what we want matters, and, and that we're open to our own desires. And so the more we reinforce that, then, then the more what our desires surface into our awareness. And our I, I believe that our desires or longings or impulse, our natural impulses are what, what's leading us to our most, most fulfilling self-expression. So I would just encourage you to just keep, again, just like with the example you gave with this with type of skiing, is to pause rather than trying to figure things out, even though you're figuring it out for a broader perspective now, your, your different factors than you would have taken in before, which is wonderful, I would encourage you to go, to go spend more time in your heart, spend more time hand on heart, breathing into your heart, checking in uh, to your inner, your inner sense of what's right for me right now, and let that come from a place of, of stillness rather than from a place of analysis. A place of stillness rather than analysis. Yes, yeah. that's something I'm definitely still getting used to. I think that's great advice. Yes. Yeah. And you, along with a lot of us, are still getting used to that. But <laughs> something that gets you know easier with practice and more, more and more fulfilling, more fulfilling over time, for sure. Excellent, excellent. Well, I thank you, and um, I thank our listeners. This has been the Alchemy of Self Love with Suzanne Eater, and thank you again, Michael, for being here today. And uh, until next time, have a beautiful day. <laughs>